Welcome in to the newest edition of the Just In Time Sports Podcast. I am your owner and host, Justin Jackson. And remember, as always, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and share. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, it'll be on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you do get your podcasts. And do not forget to follow and turn on the post notifications for at JTime Sports, which is the Just In Time Sports social media handle on all social medias. That's Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at JTime Sports for all of your breaking news and updates. Um, and remember, like, rate, and subscribe, and share. I know I mentioned it already, but definitely want to get those podcast numbers up along with those follow numbers up. We definitely want to get all of that up to make sure more people are engaged with the content, to make sure more people can keep their sports news up to date all in one place. Now, if you're a regular here, you already know what I'm about to say, but if you're new here, sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. My energy is up. My activity level is up. In general, I'm just up right now, and I'm sure the volume will come down. Um, so don't turn your headphones down too much, because I'm sure the volume will come down. But there's a lot of energy happening right now. You know, the NBA is in the stretch run. There's about 20 games left for a lot of leagues. 17 games left for a lot. Even for 17 to 20. Um, games left for a lot of the league in the NBA. The NFL is smack dab in the middle of free agency. Um, by the time you guys hear this on Thursday morning, I recorded uh, Wednesday night, but by the time you guys hear this on Thursday morning, we will be in day two of the official free agency period, uh, day two of the start of the new league year, even though the legal tampering period it starts three days before uh, the start of the league year. Um, so a lot of these deals have either been agreed to or whatever. Um, agreed to, basically signed, whatever, just waiting on the official start of the league year so they can put ink to paper. Or they already put ink to paper, they don't start. Whatever. But the deals are pretty much done. Um, and so we have a lot of movement in the NFL. This is more, one of the more active free agency periods um, that I have seen in quite a long time in the NFL. Um, a lot of guys are moving around. A lot of people being open with um, their decisions and changing locations, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best. Fair warning to all the listeners. I'm just warning you now. I'm going to do my best to not have a 40 minute segment because there's a lot of stuff happening. I'm not gonna go into every contract, every deal, every signing, whatever. If you want to know that? Follow my social media. Turn on your post notifications. Click through my IG story. You'll know everything was going down. Um, that's definitely what you should do if you're interested in every single deal. So hopefully I try to touch on all the bigger ones. Um, if there's something team specific, I'm sure I shared it. I'm sure I posted it. Um, so if you want to look at, let's say you're a Falcon fan, uh, I'm going to talk about you guys as a group for your defensive signings. I'm not going to mention every single person. Um, you know, if you're all a Browns fan, I'm not going to mention contract restructures for anybody or things of that nature. Ravens, I'm not going to mention um, their individual signings too because we all know we're waiting on with the Ravens. 
Um, and who knows? That may happen by the time this podcast comes out. I'm not sure. Obviously, I, I would have no way of knowing that. But so if there's something team specific, you want my opinion on again, I'm not going to be the one to tell you. If you if it's something I believe is a little smaller, not as significant, I'm trying not to have a 40 minute segment. Um, I'm already three minutes in, and I technically have not even broached the topic. Um, so before we dive off into free agency period into legal tampering, we got to go back about five days. Although by the time you hear this, six days, um, the Carolina Panthers traded with the Chicago Bears and jumped up to the number one pick. Um, the Panthers traded the 2023 and 2024 first round picks. Uh, so the ninth overall pick in this year's draft and then next and next year's first round pick, the a 2023 second round pick, which is pick 61, and then a 2024, um, 2025 rather, second round pick, also receiver DJ Moore uh, to the Chicago Bears for the number one overall pick. Now there's rumors swirling, and it's been swirling. They did it that they're gonna that the Panthers themselves are gonna look to flip the pick back, um, kind of like oh. You know, maybe somebody will give us some of these assets back. The Colts, somebody of that nature, um, give us these assets back. I don't give much validity, much stock, much effort into that theory at all. Um, because why trade assets if you don't have a deal in place? Like why then be like, oh, we're gonna we're, we we hope to flip the we hope to flip it back. Um, that's just unrealistic. That's just un that's bad business. Um, and the Carolina Panthers aren't the world's best businessmen, but that's really, really bad business um, to, to make that decision. But we're going to keep our eye on it. Of course, if, if the move gets made, if a flip gets flipped, if a pick gets flipped, we're going to definitely keep our eye on it um, for sure. It's not like the NBA would be that weird, like what team is he going to, which hat is he going to put on. I, it's just, it's a very interesting um Done. It's very interesting dynamic in the NBA where the pick gets traded, but it technically doesn't get traded until after the draft. So, like, let's say Cleveland, I'm, and I'm going to use it because they're playing each other. Cleveland's playing Philly, uh, but they trade a pick. Or Cleveland's play, trade a pick with Philly, and then Philly will pick the Cleveland player, but he put on a Philly hat and everything, and everybody knows he's going to Cleveland. It's the weirdest thing ever. It's very unmodern. Um, they should fix that situation. Um, and I only dove off into that um, because I was thinking about the draft pick and I'm watching the basketball game. But anyway, uh, back to on topic. Like, uh, like I said, the Carolina Panthers traded up to the number one overall pick with the Chicago Bears in exchange for four draft picks and DJ Moore, who was honestly the best offensive player left. Now, the Panthers have made some moves. Uh, they just finalized a deal or finalizing a deal rather with uh, Eagles running back Miles Sanders. It's a four-year contract per Adam Schefter. Also, they got Hayden Hurst um, from the Cincinnati Bengals, who was the Bengals, to be honest, best uh, tight end. So they got Hayden Hurst from the Bengals. Or the Bengals do have, I don't think they still have Thad Moss. I know last I checked in with Thad Moss's career, um, they were excited about him. So um, maybe he's finally coming into his own and they feel like they can move off Hurst. Also, the Bengals have a Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins contract problem. Uh, so maybe they're trying to preemptively strike um, by cleaning up some cap space so they can make sure to get all three of those guys, or at least Chase and Burrow, back um, into the fold. But now we're going to start running through moves. Um, 
So now we're gonna start running through moves. Uh, we're gonna touch on trades. Then we're gonna dive off into free agency because the trade I can go pretty quickly. Um, so Darren Waller has been traded. Las Vegas Raiders tight end Darren Waller has been traded to the New York Giants um, in, in exchange for I think a mid-round pick. If memory serves me correctly, but this move was about a year in the making. It kind of got accelerated over the past few days. Um, rumors have been swirling around Darren Waller being traded by the Raiders. Oh, for about a year now, and Josh McDaniels kind of wanted to see how it went with Derek Carr for a year, um, just to see how that went down. But now with Derek Carr moving on to New Orleans Saints, um, four years, um, oh, I can't think of the dollar number, 130, I believe. Um, but anyway, I, the, the contract may not be totally accurate. But with, um, Darren, with Derek Carr uh, moving on to the New Orleans Saints, now there may have been issues with Josh McDaniels and Darren Waller. And then Darren Waller's contract situation with the team, etc. Um, so they move on from him. Also, Darren Waller recently got married to uh, Las Vegas Aces star Kelsey Plum. Um, and Josh McDaniels revealed to the world that they were getting married when Darren Waller and Kelsey had done a tremendous job of keeping their plans secret. Um, Josh McDaniels exposed it and apparently Darren Waller was not happy about it at all um which made you know we I don't know what happened behind the scenes nobody really knows about that but a few days later I think the report is 10 days later Darren Waller traded to the Jets uh, to the Giants rather um and so that could be an issue there um Stephon Gilmore has been traded um uh, former defensive player of the year multi-time pro bowler uh, uh Stephon Gilmore corner has been traded to the Dallas Cowboys, I believe, again, in exchange for a mid-round draft pick. Um, big news for Dallas is he's healthy. He's got a pretty decent cap number um, in terms of, like, you know, it's got, it's got some size to it. It's got some pretty decent size to it uh, as far as his cap number. But if he's healthy, Dallas has the scariest defense in the NFL because now you can truly let Michael Parsons rip off the edge. You still have DeMarcus Lawrence. Dallas also got brought back Leighton Vander Esch, um, and so if you can get a healthy Stephon Gilmore, even if you say 13 out of 17 games and whatever playoffs they have, you know, Stephon Gilmore is healthy. You've got Trayvon Diggs, Stephon Gilmore, your, your outside corners. Now you can really rotate that, um, really rotate that defense into, uh, helping out the middle of the field and really rotate into helping out, um, your safeties because you've got two elite corners on the outside in Gilmore and Trayvon Diggs. And then, of course, the big one, um, the Los Angeles Rams continue their cap-shedding pick acquisition move. Um, they send uh, all-pro elite-level corner, when healthy, and rolling Jalen Ramsey to the Miami Dolphins in exchange for a backup tight end and a mid-round pick. Um, most people believe that they could have got something more, myself included, but they would have really, really pushed to get Jalen Ramsey maybe in a second round pick or, or a legit player. Um, they could have gotten more for Jalen Ramsey, but ultimately they settle for the Miami Dolphins deal. Part of it, he's no longer in the NFC. Another part of it is Ramsey wanted to go to the, um, wanted to go to Miami reportedly. Nice city, warm weather. East Coast, um, 
And so that could definitely be a help uh, for Jalen Ramsey's career. His personal life, he wanted to go to Miami. And I think the Rams were thanking him for his service and helping them win a Super Bowl. And so he decided, uh, so they helped him, kind of helped maneuver him um, to Miami, who immediately restructured his contract, guaranteed him a little over $30 million over the next couple of years. Um, And so that is definitely what um, was big for Jalen Ramsey. And it's a part of the Rams scheme. They are looking to get younger. They are looking to get cheaper. They are looking to recoup assets. Um, They still have not recouped first-round assets, but they are recouping money, and they are getting back mid-round picks to try and fill out the roster. Now, the GM, Les Snead, has said Matt Stafford's not going anywhere. Obviously, they're not trading Aaron Donald. And, of course, they're not getting rid of Cooper Cup. Everybody else seems to have a price of some sort. Um, So that's definitely an interesting situation, watching the LA Rams, how they're going to operate and how they are going to maneuver um, now that um, they seem to be kind of in the middle of trying to compete yet get financially stable because of all the money and assets they moved around in an effort to win a Super Bowl, which they ultimately did. So, I mean, I can't fault Les Needs for um, that that, uh, famous F them draft picks um, stance because, I mean, he won a Super Bowl. You can't get too mad at that but let's shift to free agency we got the trades out the way we got carolina getting number one of our pick out the way let's jump to the big news of the day aaron Rodgers speaks um and i I, he went on the pat mcafee show he's comfortable with pat him and pat have a good relationship he's one of the few media members um pat mcafee is one of the few media members aaron Rodgers trusts. i believe it comes from all two reasons Pat genuflex to Aaron Rodgers very openly. He's very respectful to him, abundantly so. He keeps his confidence, which is huge for Aaron. He doesn't criticize Aaron Harley at all. And Pat's not traditional media. Pat's football player. Pat was a longtime pro, a pro Bowl punter, um, famously for the Colts. He's been involved in WWE. Um, he's been involved in um, a lot of other things. When he started his podcast, and his show, uh, it was not said he's not a traditional media guy. So Aaron's more comfortable in his environment and talking and sitting and talking with him. So anytime Aaron really has big news, he goes to Pat and he talks to Pat about whatever he has to talk about. Um, and so he went up Pat McAfee today, pretty much started off with, look, if you're looking for me to come on here and make the big announcement of what I want to do, I'm not going to do that. And then he did it. Um... No more than, what, 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, he's telling everybody his plan. Um, and he went, he's, he's going to kind of try to find, try to follow it chronologically. Kind of how he's, not really how he spoke, but kind of his timeline. So, um, he went in, so Aaron Rodgers went on a darkness retreat. Where he went into this room at his resort in a hole, basically, with very little to no light for five days. Um... It just, for five days, he just was in the dark. And during this time, he said at that point, he was, when he went to the darkness retreat, he was 90% retired. Okay? So, he said he was 90% retired when he went to the darkness retreat. So, at this point in his mind, he's going to go in, confirm his decision, and come back out to retire from the NFL. When he comes out of this darkness retreat, again, according to Aaron, Pretty much he learns that the Packers are out. 
Because you go into the darkness tree, you don't have your phone, you don't have your watch, you don't have anything connected to the outside world, you're just in the room, you're getting food either delivered to you or there's food already in there. But regardless, you're not leaving. You're not really connected to technology. But while he was in this darkness retreat, um, pretty much he said he comes out and he learns that the Packers have decided to move on and to move forward with Jordan Love. This, this he said, pretty much hurt him because he said he wished he would have known going in that the Packers intended to move on because, you know, who knows what would have happened, what decision he would have made, etc. Um... So he said since Friday, um, like I said, I'm recording this on a Wednesday night, you guys hear it on Thursday. He said since Friday, he had decided that he was going to keep playing. And not only was he going to keep playing, he was going to, he wants to play for, he wanted to play for the Jets. That is when, if you take away from his speech and put it into timeline, his representation and the Packers, the Packers are, are rather allowed him to meet with the New York Jets. Very strange activity. You don't usually get to meet with somebody under contract with another team, and the team grant that specific meeting. So he met with the New York Jets, I think right around Friday, and ultimately decided that he wanted to play for the Jets. Now, um, there was a lot of compliments to the Green Bay Packers organization, um, grant to the city of Green Bay, a lot of compliments to Jordan Love. He was very, very polite. He, I mean, he was on. He was doing his best political act. He was a politician there. He wanted to make sure everybody felt happy. Everybody felt okay with the decision. Everybody was fine with it. He didn't offend anybody. Um, his words to me were very, very carefully chosen. They were designed not to piss anybody off, but at the same time get his point across. Um, and so I believe he accomplished that goal. Um, now there's some things that came out about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Um, one of the big things was that he had a wish list of players that he wanted the Jets to go get. He shot down the wish list, calling it a bunch of names. Um, and I don't have the quote right in front of me, so I won't say any other names. So I don't want to misquote Aaron. But he shot down a lot of it, uh, pretty much calling it stupid. Um, but then said, admittedly, in the same tone of breath, basically, that... Um, when he met with the Jets, they asked him about players. So it wasn't so Aaron's denying a wish list. You gotta be careful with Aaron. Remember, this is the same person that instead of saying he was vaccinated, said he was immunized. So you gotta be you gotta be careful with Aaron. Um so he denies having a wish list, but at the same time he admitted to ha- being asked about personnel in his meeting. The Jets have already signed Alan Lazard um to a four year, forty four million dollar contract. Um they have interest reportedly in Randall Cobb. They're interested in talking to um, Odell Beckham. And reportedly, they have a tie to Mercedes Lewis. Also, conveniently, everybody on the reported um, wish list from Aaron Rodgers. Look, I have no issue with what Aaron Rodgers is doing here. He wants to build the team he has in mind in New York. He knows New York is desperate enough to have him... Um, Pretty much run their organization. I mean, Joe Douglas is the GM. He's not bad. Obviously, Robert Sala is a man's man. But in terms of, like, they're willing to figure out a way to get him the things he needs on offense in order to be Aaron bleeping Rodgers for the Jets. Because now, all that's left is for the Packers and the Jets to hammer our details. That's no easy division. That is no easy division at all. The Patriots now have Bill O'Brien. They have signed Juju Smith-Schuster. And Bill O'Brien running the... um 
In the offense, they have a come to terms with Juju Smith-Schuster, three years, thirty-three million, with about eighteen million guaranteed. Um, they have, or yeah, three years, thirty-three million, about eighteen million. Hold on, hold on, three years, thirty-three million for sure. Once they pull the contract back out, it was sixteen million um, guaranteed with Juju Smith-Schuster with a lot of incentives in it. Um, there's still rumors to be connected to DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham potentially. Also, there's strong, and I do mean strong, connection to Jerry Judy out of Denver. Um, reportedly, the um, New England Patriots team playing was seen in Denver. So, who knows how that negotiation is going. Um, then you got the Miami Dolphins. Of course, they've acquired Jalen Ramsey. They brought back pretty much all their running backs. Um, Tua is hopefully healthy this season. You still have Jalen Waddle. You still have Tyreek Hill. Um... You know, you, you've got weapons, you got a good offensive line, and your defense has gotten better because uh, you have the, one of the best defensive coordinators ever in Vic Vangio now running your defense. Um, and then you look at, of course, the Buffalo Bills. Now, they've, now they're losing bodies. They lost Tremaine Edmonds um, to the Chicago Bears, um, but they bring back Jordan Poirier. Uh, Edmonds got a pretty big deal. He actually got the second biggest deal or the most guaranteed money um, for an inside linebacker in history his 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 deal was pretty historic um referring to Tremaine Edmonds for the uh Chicago Bears he signed a four-year 72 million dollar contract with 50 million uh guaranteed which is the most guaranteed money by inside linebacker or second most by inside linebacker so uh Tremaine Edmonds is off to the Chicago Bears and so, with that being said, it um, really works on that um, division. So, it's not an easy division by any means. For my basketball people who are listening to this as well, this kind of reminds me of Carmelo to New York. Because if people remember, Carmelo Anthony ends up forcing his way to New York like three months early. And all the good players on the New York Knicks... Ended up being traded to Denver. Denver makes the playoffs a couple of years with those Knicks players. Carmelo struggles to ever do the Knicks anything because pretty much him and Amari Stoudemire and some guys because they traded picks and players to Denver. When at the post, Carmelo could have waited three months, signed in New York as a free agent, and kept all those picks and players to help build the team around him. Not a direct, direct comparison, but Aaron's gonna, it's gonna require some assets to go from New York to Denver, I mean, to Green Bay. Um, Aaron's an aging player. Last year, he was a descending player. The division's not easy. You're going to have to, I mean, you get Nathaniel Hackett back, so it's a system you're familiar with because he's running some similar to Matt LaFleur's system. But under Nathaniel Hackett last year, Russell Wilson had the worst year of his life in Denver. Now you're going to go to New York. You've never had to deal with a big media presence. You were at Cal Berkeley when you were in college. Then you go to Green Bay, which they protect their leaders. Everyone loved you uh, because you were after Brett Favre. You won MVP, saw these efficiency records. You won a Super Bowl. Now you move to New York. They crush their stars religiously. You can't control them. You slander them. They fight back. You do anything as back page news. And now you have all this pressure to win because you're the Jets' best quarterback since Joe Namath. And I say you're better than Joe Namath. So to me, you're the best quarterback to ever play for the Jets in the history of their franchise. You have a lot of pressure to win there. 
It is not an easy situation to win, uh, but that's the situation Aaron literally is building for himself and is open that he wants. So we'll see how that goes for him. The Atlanta Falcons are having a hell of a, a hell of a hell of offseason. They made a trade. They sent a seventh round pick to the New England Patriots for John o. Smith. Get a play making tight end. Um, when John o. Smith had his best year and got that payday from the Patriots, it was under Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator of the Titans. He's now the head coach of the Falcons. So that bred familiarity there. So now he goes to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, they also robbed several New Orleans Saints defenders because the new Atlanta Falcons defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, was co-defensive coordinator last year with the Saints. Um, so he got several players, including Caden Ellis, um, to go to the Atlanta Falcons to breed familiarity with that system, to have coaches on the field because they know exactly what um, Ryan Nelson is trying to do. Uh, and Atlanta also added Jesse Bates, um, the safety from the Cincinnati Bengals, four years, $64 million. Um, Pretty big contract for Bates. He tried to get this contract last year from the Cincinnati Bengals. They also, I believe, in the franchise tagging him. Um, and so he goes and gets his payday from the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, trying to make sure I kind of get this all in order. I kind of want to stay in a group order. Um, quarterback movement. Of course, everybody's waiting on Lamar Jackson. Um, the Indianapolis Colts seems to be the only team uh, with the number four overall pick. They seem to be the only team interested reportedly in making him a contract offer. Now, again, with the Ravens having the ability to either get two first-round picks or the ability to match whatever offer he gets, it kind of makes it a little complicated. Lamar was on Twitter kind of refuting reports about what he was offered. Um, it was a report saying he was offered $200 million guarantee. He posted a diff of cap, uh, which is saying that's a lie. Um, and then he himself tweeted out $133 million guaranteed over three years. Um, but he needs an agent. It was shot to everybody saying he's an agent. Um, and so um, so that's happening with Lamar Jackson. Like I say, Indianapolis and the, ironically, the former Baltimore Ravens and the current Baltimore Ravens and the Colts and the Ravens seem to be the two teams interested in Lamar Jackson and making him that offer. Um, people are risking him uh, either saying no uh, we're gonna go, I'm gonna go back to the uh, the Ravens gonna match me or giving up those two first round picks. If you're the Colts, you're trading quarterback for quarterback, and you're thinking, "Hey, what do you mean?" The Colts have the number four overall pick. More than likely, that would have been a quarterback. Um, one of them, you know, Richardson, Levis, um, Stroud, or Young. That's four quarterbacks. That's four picks. You know what I'm saying? So one of those guys would have been available at four. But if you are not confident in getting your guy, you know what Lamar Jackson can bring. So basically, you're trading one first-round pick for Lamar Jackson. The reason being is you were going to use the number four overall pick on a quarterback. And so basically, you would be using uh, next year's first-round pick as a kind of a miniature trade-up, if you will. Mini you know, because Lamar Jackson's already made product. Um... So that would probably be uh, the situation. If I'm Indy, I make the move. Because, again, you're really basically only using one first-round pick to get Lamar Jackson because you're going to draft a quarterback with the number four overall pick. Um, so if I'm Indy, I make that move yesterday. We'll see if Baltimore is willing to match it. Also, along the quarterback movement, 
Um, Baker Mayfield, I, I reported on it um, early. Uh, Baker Mayfield is effectively the next guy in Tampa in the post-Brady era. Um, they reported that Tampa was interested in him, potentially uh, bringing back, um, or bringing in, rather, Baker into the program, uh, into the team to compete with their second overall, second round pick, rather, Kyle Trask out of Florida. Because they didn't really trust Kyle Trask to be the automatic guy. Um, apparently, he didn't develop how they wanted to after, behind Brady. So now they're bringing in Baker Mayfield, who's on his fourth team in about nine months. Uh, he was on the Browns. Then he was on the Panthers. Then he was on the Rams. Now he's on the Bucks. Um, and so they bring in Baker to compete with Kyle Trask. Winner gets the honor and the weight and the privilege of being behind Tom Brady's uh, legacy and what he did um, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, winning them a Super Bowl, uh, bringing them out of a lot of uh, shame and anguish, and even winning a division title or two when the Saints wasn't giving him fits. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, he's headed to the Las Vegas Raiders. He rejoins his old coach, um, Josh McDaniel. Josh McDaniel was offensive coordinator when Jimmy Garoppolo showed up in New England, was drafted by Bill Belichick. Josh McDaniel was the OC. So now Josh McDaniels in need of a quarterback. He lost Derek Carr. He lost um, Jared Stidham. And so he brings in Jimmy Garoppolo, somebody familiar with his system, and a very incentive-laden contract, a very proven contract. But if it works out well, it is a um, massive benefit and a massive um, positive for Josh McDaniels to have somebody in there who knows his system, he doesn't have to teach it, they know the ins and outs, and there's no QB brain lag, um, QB kind of disconnect that him and Derek Carr would have sometimes. There is none of that with Jimmy Garoppolo. And then lastly, um, Sam Darnold signed a one-year deal with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they had, the 49ers had some spending as well. Nothing major. Nothing major, but the 49ers had some spending as well. Um, uh, And then quickly, we're going to hit some last few points. Eric Kendricks, following his release from the Minnesota Vikings, um, signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Matt Gay, uh, kicker um, for the Rams, signs the biggest free agent deal ever. Four years, $22 million for a kicker. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott uh, was cut. By the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to hit running backs real quick. Ezekiel Elliott of the Dallas Cowboys was released. Um, following seven seasons with the team, he was made the highest paid running back in the league. Um, following a very strong rookie contract, including two-time rushing champ. Uh, he compiled over 8,000 yards and 68 touchdowns on the ground uh, with the Cowboys. I believe they say his total numbers were over 10,000 all-purpose yards and uh, near 80 touchdowns total uh, for the Dallas Cowboys in seven seasons. Um, but he is now released. Um, so he's a free agent for the first time in his career. Um, and so that is um, interesting news out of Dallas. So, for the, so we're going to truly see what Dak Prescott looks like without Zeke. Because even a diminished Zeke was still able to get you tough yards. Tony Pollard's coming off of ACL. Very interesting timing for the Dallas Cowboys to release Ezekiel Elliott. But they have done so. And then lastly... Austin Eckler of the Los Angeles Chargers uh, could not come to a contract extension agreement with the Chargers and has 
um, requested a trade and been given permission to seek a trade. Um, so he's a touchdown machine, a fantasy football darling because of how many touchdowns he scores on the regular. So we're going to see if um, Austin Eckler is able to find a new home or if the pressure of uh, not being on the team is what ultimately assists the uh, Chargers and him in getting to an agreement. Oh, man, we hit all of the notes. I thought I was going to have to cut some stuff out. Um, I could have actually added some stuff. But if you guys want any other updates or any other details, uh, just, of course, check out social media at JTime Sports, the Justin Time Sports uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and TikTok. We're actually verified on Twitter. We are verified. We have the blue check. I accidentally, I'm going to be honest, I'll be transparent with you guys. I accidentally changed the profile photo. And so now it has to re, um, re-verify the page. On some people's phones, it still shows the blue check. On my phone, personally, it doesn't. Um, but we were verified. And then I accidentally changed the profile pic photo. And so, you know, that kind of messed it up. So, but I still have all the Twitter blue features. I just need um, to get my blue check back. But we were verified. Shout out to you guys for continuing to support me enough. Where Twitter felt comfortable in uh, rocking me out with the blue check. Um, but that is all I have for the NFL. Uh, We're going to shift to the NBA and talk about what's going down there. Welcome back into the show. I know, I know, kind of a long-winded NFL segment. But it's what happens when you're a weekly show and the NFL drops free agency in your lap. Literally right after you do a show. Um, so you had a whole week of free agency to discuss. Again, kind of long-winded. I promise you this next section will not be, what, 30 minutes? Uh, I promise you that would not be the case. We're going to jump into the NBA. Now, of course, we're recording this on Wednesday night so when it come out thursday morning i'm gonna talk about it as if it's wednesday night before the game start because uh, i'm watching philly and the Cavs right now it's about a five point game Cavs are up by 249 in the second quarter so i'm watching Cavs and philly right now of course by the time the show's finished the games will still be going on but by the time you hear this who knows what the standings might look like especially in the west um but out east um the standings are bucks celtics 76ers Cavs, Knicks, Nets. So those are the six teams that the season ended right now would automatically be in the playoffs. And then the play-in tournament teams are the Heat, Hawks, Raptors, and Wizards, with the Bulls and Pacers being 11 and 12 and well within range to make noise to get into the play-in tournament. Out West, we have Nuggets, Grizzlies, Kings, Suns, Golden State, Clippers. If the season ended today, those are your six automatic playoff teams. The playing tournament right now consists of the Timberwolves, the Thunder, Dallas, and the Lakers, with the Jazz and Pelicans both well within range of the fifth seed, nonetheless well within range of the playing tournament. Looking at the standings, again, we're looking at some very interesting first-round matchups. For instance, right now, the Knicks, I mean, not the Knicks, the Cavs and the Sixers are playing um, the Cavs are without Jared Allen, and they are 
currently beating the 76ers. Now it's in Cleveland, um, and it's a lot of b- basketball left, but they're currently winning that game. Um, as Tyree Maxey hits a huge three to, to cut down to two with two minutes in the second quarter. Um, so that so this is a huge three-four matchup as Karis LeVert knocks down a three to push it back to five. Um, but to me, the class of the East, we're going to start off in the East, the class of the East is the top three seasons, Bucks, Celtics, 76ers. To me, those are the only three teams in the East that can win a title, or they even can win the can win the conference. Being that one seed is going to be massive because I believe the Bucks feel very comfortable beating the Cavs or the Knicks. I think they feel very comfortable if it came down to Bucks, Knicks, or Bucks, Cavs to get to the East Conference Finals. That the Bucks are feel very comfortable about that arrangement. That being said, no one, and I do mean no one wants to have to deal with the 76ers in the second round. Um, so the Sixers have a tough road. They're going to have to beat, right now it looks like the Nets, they should handle the Nets with no KD Kyrie, obviously it's not Mikhail Bridges' Nets. They should handle the Nets in about five. But then they have to beat either the Bucks or the Celtics and then turn around to beat the other one um, right after um, that to even get to the NBA Finals. So a very hard road for the Philadelphia 76ers. Um... And so that's something they're going to have to deal with. But again, the Bucks are trying to ensure that they get their number one seed because that way they don't have to fight with the Sixers and then play the Celtics um, in the Eastern Conference playoffs and get an easy road as possible. The Cavs and Knicks are still scheduled for the first round. With all the Donovan Mitchell, New York rumors, and Knicks, the Cavs, Knicks didn't pull the trigger because they thought they had them and you know, probably had Carmelo Anthony PTSD of trading too much for a guy and then not getting him, all that, and not having the assets around him to build. Um, the Knicks decide to not pull the trigger, and then ultimately um, he ends up in Cleveland. Um, and so that would be a huge 4-5 or five matchup of intrigue. Um, I think that he could give the Celtics some fits uh, because the Celtics, what they have a lot of, the Heat can kind of match it. The, um, the Celtics have Robbie Williams. The Heat have Bam Adebayo. The Celtics have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. The Heat have Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler. Um, the Celtics have an old Wiley vet. And at Horford, although Udonis hasn't done to play much, his influence is obviously on the team. That would be a very interesting matchup. Um, I think the play-in tournament, even the Knicks, would be interesting. Because it would be Heat Hawks for the rights of the seventh seed. Raptors Wizards for the right to play the loser of Heat and Hawks for the eight seed. Um, so that'll be a very interesting play in tournament there. You have Fred Van Vliet. You have Bradley Beal with a chance to still get in the playoffs. Um, you have Trey Young, Ken Snyder is his new coach, with a, ch- with a chance to hold on to their playoff spot. You had the Miami Heat that was, what, a shot away last year from getting to the NBA Finals. They would be in the play-in tournament. Uh, and then Bulls with their talents, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, they are one game or so out of 10th to get in the playing tournament to make things interesting there. And then, of course, Indiana with Rick Carlisle. And they've got their crew of Buddy Hill, Miles Turner, Ben Mathurin. Um, They're hanging out in 12th. Jumping over to the West and what's interesting out West. Obviously, the number one thing is that the Nuggets have pretty much secured the one seed and the Kings are in the playoffs. Um, and I know Sacramento fans, they are emotionally physically, mentally, and spiritually scarred at this point. They have literally uh, 
convince themselves to not celebrate being in the playoffs until there's no chance they can't be in the playoffs. Like, they're saying, um, and a couple guys have reported this, like, you catch a Kings fan, they're like, no, 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 we're not going to celebrate because we might lose nine straight <laughs> and not make the playoffs. You know, they're so scarred by the years of somehow, some way, the Kings don't make the playoffs. Somehow, some way, they don't get in. They have a great start and injury happens. They have a bad start and they have a great middle and then they fail off at the end. Like somehow, some way, the Kings and this year just got awful. Um, I mean, at one point they had Demarcus Cousins in his prime as the best big man in basketball and still couldn't get in the playoffs. Um, so they're emotionally, physically scarred. I'm here to tell you, Kings fans, you're it. Uh, if if it goes left, you can blame me. I'm saying to the Sacramento Kings fan base, you have made the playoffs. Congratulations. Um, and then the Denver Nuggets, they're the one seed. Um, just a fact of life. They're the one seed. They have two, they have like four games on the on the two and three seed. It's like they're comfortable. The Denver Nuggets, led by Nikola Jokic, is the one seed. Um, the Grizzlies have, in my opinion, surprisingly held on to the two seed. Uh, without John Morant. We'll speak of John Morant. He'll be the first topic we have after the standings. They've held on without John Morant. Phoenix and Golden State right now as your um as your four five matchup, that's beyond juicy. Um that is drama central. You have Kevin Durant. He he's never played in Golden State since he left, which was in twenty eighteen. He's never been there. He's never played there due to injuries and Pretty much due to injury. He's never played in Golden State. You tell me he plays in a playoff series? And you tell me he does it with Devin Booker who has, and Chris Paul who have histories with Draymond Green and Steph Curry? I mean, it's just drama galore. Kev, Kevon Looney and DeAndre Ayton. You've got Draymond Green on the court with Kevin Durant. I mean, it's just everything. Like I said, it's, a, it's not. It's kind of the reverse of Cavs-Knicks. Cavs Knicks beef is, man. Mitchell could have been a cat, could have been a Nick, should have been a Nick. Now he's a calf. This is like Kevin Durant should have never left Golden State. Now he's a son after what he left for Golden State failed royally with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, what more entertainment could you possibly want out of this than uh, Phoenix Sun and Golden State? And right now the Clippers will play the Kings. That's not really interesting. Slide down to the playing tournament. Knock it on down. The Timberwolves have somehow held on without Carl Anthony Towns, who we'll also talk to. He catch been out since the end of November. Um, and they're somehow holding on to the seventh seed. They've pretty much been the seventh seed. People have jumped over them, people have jumped under them, but the King, the Timberwolves have somehow held on to seven pretty much as long as I can remember. And they will be right now would play the Thunder, who have no reason to be here. The, the the Oklahoma City Thunder literally have no reason to win basketball games. They know they're not going to win the title. They're not trying to win the title. I promise you, they're not. They're not trying to win the title at all. They're trying, they would love it in a perfect world to compete really, really, really hard, even make the playing tournament, and then lose the way the playing tournament. Like, because they know they're getting Chet Holmgren back, who was their lottery pick this year. He was injured, so they know they're getting Chet Holmgren back. And you know for a fact that you're, in, you're gonna end up with a lottery pick as well. So again, they kind of don't have a reason to succeed. Um, but right now it'd be Timberwolves and Thunder. 
with the seven eight seed, your nine ten seed would be Dallas and Lakers. Back to back to Interestingville, back to Dramaville. Um, Kyrie Irving and his request to the um, Brooklyn Nets reportedly wanted to go to the Los Angeles Lakers. Joe Sy, owner of the Nets, pretty much said over, over my dead body, him going to the Lakers. He nixed it. That in turn sends Kyrie Irving effectively into the into the Dallas Mavericks arms, into the Dallas Mavericks heart and soul, and so now he's playing with Luka Doncic. Now, Kyrie Irving has not re-upped with the Dallas Mavericks. He could very easily still walk to the Los Angeles Lakers, and they would play in the 9-10 Z. LeBron has been very openly not open about having um, Kyrie Irving rejoin him on the team. Kyrie Irving has been open about how he messed up the LeBron situation and wish he could go back and fix it. Kind of, sort of, in a way. And now you're telling me, in Kyrie Irving's, Kyrie Irving's early interviews in Dallas, they asked him about a potential Lakers trade. His response was something along the lines of, we're not going to sit here and discuss things that could have or should have happened. And I'm going to play in the playing tournament. Loser goes home. And winner has the right to fight for the eighth seed if the season ended right now. Oh, that's just, that's just glorious. That's what I want as a media person. That's what I want as a person, as a fan, and as a person in media. I need that. That is content galore. I could do a segment just on that. And then right outside of the play-in, you have the Jazz. Similar situation to OKC. They have no incentive to win um, at all. Because, again, they're trying to get lottery picks. Minnesota seems like they're not going to be a lottery team. And so if Utah ends up making the playoffs, they would have two first-round picks and neither one would be lottery teams. Um, lottery picks. So they have no incentive to win. So I expect Utah and Oklahoma City to find their way somehow, some way, into 11th and 12th with no chance of getting in the plan. Somehow, some way. I just have back soreness or ankle sprain, something uh, to Lori Marketing and Shea Gilders Alexander and Jalen Williams Jalen and the other Jalen Williams. And, you know, anybody productive in Utah, Somehow, some way, they just have ankle sprains and back soreness a lot over the past, over the last three weeks of the season, and they tumble their way to 11th and 12th. Um, and then the Pelicans currently sit at 12. As a Pelicans fan, this hurts to do. In December, the Pelicans were the one, number one seed. They sit the 12th seed. Since that time, they've lost Brandon Ingram. Since that amount of time, they're injured. They're, they're currently still without Zion Williamson. For a substantial time due to injury. So pretty much they just AT McCullough's missed some game. They've just tumbled on down from first to twelfth. It's a very, very disappointing situation. Um as a Pelicans fan, I, I I'm not enjoying it in the slightest. Um but again, they're two, maybe three games away from fifth. Like the West is so jam-packed. That's why I'm, I made sure in the caveat, like I'm saying the standings right now, but the way the West is set up, they can be flipped on its head tomorrow uh, by the time you guys hear this. So definitely um, keep your eye on that. Now, for some stories, what's going down in the NBA, John Morant um, has received his um, suspension or his ruling from the NBA. Um, He is to be suspended eight games without pay, but they are giving him credit for time served. So he actually uh, only has to serve two more games 
because he already uh, set out six games. So he's eligible to come back Monday against the Dallas Mavericks. Um, and so he um, got, got credit for time served. They count his six games. He stepped away part of his eight-game suspension. Um, he entered a treatment facility in Florida to deal with whatever issues he was going on with. They didn't really get too specific about what was happening to him, but he stepped away and went to a facility in Florida. He left that, um, and now he met with Adam Silver today, and so that's how he got his suspension of 48 games. He also sat down with Jalen Rose to discuss the incident on IG Live, um, stating that you know the gun wasn't his. Um, it's not what he believes in. It's not what he does. Um, he also made it abundantly clear that he accepts being a role model. Uh, it, it definitely sounded like he was contrite, like he was sorry about his actions. At the same time, you kind of have to think in the back of your head, he knows those guarantees on the line. Um, before this happened, I was looking at his contract. He was definitely in danger of losing um, $64, uh, $30 million. I'm sorry. He's definitely in danger of losing $30 million. Uh, because if he did not make an all-NBA team get MVP or Defensive Player of the Year, it would not trigger his Supermax uh, level, which would automatically reduce his contract's total value by $30 million. Um, also, he got his Coke, his power ass suspended by Coke, and Nike was considering pushing back the release of the Jaw 1. Um, and so all of that would affect his, his dollars, affect his, his, his money, and so... Um, he said it also in the interview. He knows he can lose now. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of a wake-up call for him. I'm glad that he does look like he is contrite. I'm glad that he does um, look like, you know, he's learned his lesson. And hopefully we don't have to go through this again. He's an incredible talent. He's an incredible talent. And it's like he's a good young man. It seems like, you know, that's not something that... I think he's a good guy. You know, he, you know he's always... Every time you see him with his daughter... He's always playing with his daughter. Side note, Kawhi Leonard just walked in in the most Kawhi Leonard fit of all time. It's like a windbreaker jacket, some blue jeans, and like a black t-shirt. And that's all he wore. It's so Kawhi Leonard. Um, but yeah, Josh is like a good guy. Um, he definitely seems like somebody who may have gotten caught in with the wrong crowd or who had that crowd with him when he wasn't John Moran. Um, and he, he's even quoted and saying it's pretty much he wants to stay away from all those bad decisions. Um, he also said he won't play in the game on Monday against Dallas, which is the first game he's eligible to return because he hasn't played basketball since he stopped. So he needs he wants to ramp up to make sure he doesn't come back five or five minutes, pop a hamstring, and out of season's gone. Um, he won't play, but he's eligible to play starting on Monday. Um, then they have two games back-to-back against the Rockets on the 22nd and 24th. I would anticipate he plays in one of those two games. But back to what I was saying, he's he's a good guy. He's in that good guy. Hopefully, he has his head on straight. Hopefully, he's got, if, they, if he was, if he picked up bad friends, I hope he got rid of them. If you carried in bad friends, I hope he even told them to tape up or ship out. Um, because he's the, clearly the financial breadwinner in their lifestyles. So, I am hoping... Um, that he shakes some of that negative stuff off, man. Like, you got to make a choice. Like, Jalen Rose had to make a choice. Carmelo Anthony had to make a choice. 
Man, I'm just I'm just hoping that John Morant chooses what both of those guys did. They chose the NBA. They chose the upstanding life. They chose the fame, the money, and the promise over trying to be hood and hanging with the wrong crowd. So that's my hope for John Morant. Glad to see he's going to be coming back. Like I said, I anticipate him playing on either the, 20, the 22nd or the 24th, which will be one of the games against the Houston Rockets. Um, kind of an easy way to ease him in. Not a real tough defense at all. Um, a nice landing place for... Um, for Jada return. And then some uh, other updates. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns uh, had a status report update from the um, Minnesota Timberwolves. He expected to return in the next few weeks uh, from his right uh, calf strain that was happening with him. I always thought it had something to do with the Achilles because I'm old enough to remember Kevin Durant was diagnosed with a calf strain came back for the Warriors, pops the Achilles, and then we don't see Kevin Durant for like 14 months on the basketball court. I'm old enough to remember that. So I always thought Carl Anthony Towns, he gave the classic look back when you suffer an Achilles injury. You kind of look back at somebody kicked you, and he looked back and went down, grabbed the Achilles. He didn't grab the calf. He grabbed right around the Achilles area. I always thought it was something to do with the Achilles. I figured it wasn't torn, because they didn't come right out and say it was torn, or at least completely torn, but were there partial tears in there, a severe strain of the Achilles, something of that nature, I believe there was, but from the moment it happened, they insisted a right calf, right calf strain, they're still sticking by that story, um, and so he expected to come back in a few weeks, that was a status update that they released. Uh, LeBron James, he's been out uh, dealing with a right foot injury, um, he's out of his walking boot. And he's doing basketball on on court. He's doing basketball activity. Um, same thing with Carl Anthony Towns. Cats doing activity as well. LeBron James is doing basketball activity. Um, and he's get out of his walking boot. Um, so that's big news for the Lakers as they are charging. They're not doing so hot right now against the Rockets with AD out. But they have been charging. I think they're 6-3 uh, since the All-Star break. Looking to go about 500. And in a perfect world for the Lakers, get to that fifth or sixth seed in order to not have to worry about the play-in at all and try and give LeBron as much time as possible to come back uh, before the playoff push run. Um, and then the MVP race has suddenly gotten interesting. Um, and the reason being is Denver had the runaway best record in the league for so long, and Jokic was dealing with, um, he, was, he was in the triple-double for a season race. He would have been the first big to do whatever uh, because the two people that have ever done it is Oscar Robinson, a point guard, and Russell Westbrook, a point guard. Um, so Jokic was looking to be the first big man or even the first non-point guard to ever do it. I think he's close to it now, but also Denver was starting to lose basketball games as Joel Embiid and the 76ers are heating up. So most people were thinking that they may end up giving it to Joel Embiid. Some say he's old one anyway. And historical precedents may finally be kicking in with Jokic because the more we talk about it, the more it was talked about in national media. It kept it kept being like, oh, the first three-time winner in the since Larry Bird, only the second modern era three-time winner, you know, ever. You know, like Bill Russell won it a few times in a row, won it times in a row. But in terms of the modern era, since the ABA NBA merger, it's been Larry Bird's only person to win three times in a row. And so now, with the historical significance of you're telling me LeBron couldn't win three in a row. Michael couldn't win three in a row. Kobe couldn't win two, but Jokic can get three in a row. Um, you know, that may be starting to work against Nikola Jokic as well. 
like I said, as Joel Embiid has taken over a lot of popular media and a lot of mainstream media's um, vote for MVP. Um, so we're definitely going to keep our eye on that. But up next, we're going to shift to a former league MVP, uh, Steph Curry, and discuss him on his or in honor of his 35th birthday and best for last. to discuss our best for last which is going to be in Steph Curry appreciation segment uh, for his 35th birthday now as a LeBron fan he vexed me multiple times I actually grew up when Steph first came in the league I liked Steph because I thought it was a small guy who ran around like to shoot kind of hard like to play basketball I don't like to do a lot of defense either Steph did a lot of shooting not a lot of defense I thought we fit and then he became the greatest ball handler ever and the greatest shooter ever. So the comparison kind of died. But um, I grew up, you know, I liked stuff when he was coming up. And then he started going against LeBron for titles. And that kind of got dicey for my fandom. But I've always appreciated stuff because what he's able to do um, at an all-time basis is well at an all-time basis repeatedly. Um so just to go through some of the things since he's been in the NBA, like I said, he turned 35 on March 14th. So by the time you hear this two days ago, um, obviously everybody went to Davidson, number seven overall pick behind two point guards from the Minnesota Timberwolves. So how differently would the Timberwolves look if they would have drafted Steph Curry instead of either Ricky Rubio or Johnny Flynn, uh, specifically Johnny Flynn. Um, but in his career, um, which has been going on since, you know, 2009, He's got four NBA titles, including three in four years. He's got a finals MVP. He won the MVP back to back in 15 and 16. Uh, he's got one of the he got the first ever Western Conference Finals MVP. He's a nine-time NBA All-Star, including an All-Star Game MVP last year. So he completed the rare sweep, um, which is the actually the new sweep. It used to be All-Star Game MVP, Redis season MVP, Finals MVP. Um, he got All-Star, Western Conference Finals MVP. Um, he didn't get the MVP. But he got every winning thing he could get. Um, so, pretty rare accomplishment. Four time, uh, seventh, uh, eight time, rather, all NBA uh, selection, including four first team all NBAs. He's won two scoring titles, two three point titles. He's got a steals leader to his name. He's got a 50 40 90 club to his name. He's a part of the 75th anniversary team. He's, and, you know, it's just his awards are insane. What Steph's able to, what Steph's able to do, what he's done in his career, and he spoke to Mark J. Spears um, about in, in Anscape about his career and his life so far, and he said he's got some more in the tank. The way Steph Curry plays, he can go three, four more years legitimately. Now, I don't think he'll stick around for a rebuild. I don't think he'll play another uniform. I think he's a Golden State Warrior for life, and he's not going to stick around for a rebuild. So if they look up. And let's say Draymond walks out the door. And Clay starts to fall back off. Jordan Poole is not ready. Kaminga's not really developing. You already got rid of Wiseman. 
you look up and you go, man, this is a 40-win team. I think I'm just going to go home to the wife and kids. I definitely feel like Steph Curry could do that. Um, shooting never goes away. His ability, I think he's, you know, knock on wood, a major injury away from retiring because I don't see him at 35, 36 years old doing a full-blown ACL repair and then having to run around the way he plays off the ball and getting his shots up and stuff like that. Um, I don't see that happening. But Steph Curry changed the game. He's one of the few people in the NBA that I can legitimately say changed the game on or off the floor. Um, Will Chamberlain changed the game in terms of how they treated the big man. Um, They took away dunking, and they put in three in the key. They put in three in the key for Shaq. They took away dunking, and they widened the lane, and they uh, you couldn't jump on your freezer throw anymore due to Will Chamberlain. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they banned dunking. Um, and other things, they put in rules for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, for Jordan, they took away the hand check. Yeah, I said it. They took away the hand check for Michael Jordan. Um, they put in the flavor foul, in my opinion, for Michael Jordan. Um, and, they, and he changed the game off the court. Before, I mean, Michael Jordan's impact on the court is one thing. Off the court, he made a lot of this stuff a reality. He had the endorsements. He had the shoe contract by himself. Because everybody ran to Converse. He was going to Converse. Um, and then Nike with Phil Knight offered him some stock. Um, Magic Johnson to this day says, I mean, if Magic had that stock he would offer back then, he'd have $5 billion or something like that. Um, and Magic, he still beats him. Everybody reminds me, he beats himself about it. He would have $5 billion or whatever. It's the only business move he's ever made in his life. He disagrees with, which was going with Converse for the fast money. I think they're offering like a hundred some grand. Nike half didn't have anywhere near that, but they had the stock options, and so ultimately he chose the money he could see, as opposed to the money down the road. With Magic Johnson coming from you know Lansing, Michigan, father was a construction worker, or father was a sanitation worker, um, took the money he could see, as most people would. Even his NBA contracts, he took the big long. Okay, Joel Embiid is limping. Uh, he bumped into an Evan Mobile. Might, might have just bumped knees, hopefully. He's still setting screens, but he definitely fell up limping just now. He's asking for the ball. He appears to be fine. Um, but anyway, you know, Magic Johnson came from Lansing, um, took the money he could see. You know, in his position, who wouldn't have? Um, and then you go into, like I said, I thought I spoke about, you know, um, Jordan and his shoe contract. You know, he, he's now an owner now as a player. Three in the keys for Magic Johnson. LeBron James, the uh, era of player mobility, and also made it popular and also made it okay for the superstar uh, athlete in the modern era to be outspoken and uh, about social justice reform and having his platforms used um, for social justice and for a positive impact on the community and not being afraid and not having superstars afraid rather to use their platform for the risk of endorsement losses and alienating certain groups of people, whatever. It was not about any of that with LeBron, um, so kudos to him. And you get to Steph Curry. Um, Changed the game as far as he's another guy. He's like Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson rocked Converse instead of Nike. Steph Curry felt disrespected in his Nike interview. Apparently, there was slides in his PowerPoint presentation from Kevin Durant. Um, They mispronounced his name. Treated him like an option. Treated him like, look, you're, you better be glad we've been coming to you for a shoe deal. He ultimately goes to Under Armour. Under Armour, pretty much explicitly says we're gonna build our basketball department around you. 
Um, great investment from Under Armour. Uh, maybe his shoes sell more if there's a swoosh on it instead of Under Armour symbol. Um, but great investment by Under Armour. Steph Curry's making a lot of money with Under Armour. Uh, he was able to get, um, you know, a pretty good deal, a pretty sweet deal from Under Armour. Um, so, like I say, he's one of the few guys to ever change the game. He's one of the few guys to maintain all on one team. His image is um, squeaky clean without the mention of impropriety on any of his on-the-court or off-the-court decisions. Um, so, absolutely kudos to Steph Curry. And I hope we do get to see him for a couple of years um, around the, the NBA. And I'm sure he'll be involved after his retirement. When you look at his dad, his dad is a play-by-play -play announcer, a uh, color commentator, rather, for the Charlotte Hornets. And so I'm sure we'll see stuff around probably heavily involved in the um, Golden State Warriors in some shape, form, or capacity. But that is all we have for today. Um, I hope you guys have a great rest of your Thursday. Um, as always, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, like, rate, subscribe, and share to the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And also, don't forget to follow and turn on the post notifications for Just In Time Sports on all your social media with the handle at JTime Sports. That should help you with any of your social media needs. That is all we have for today. This is your owner and host, Justin Jackson.